I'd like to welcome you once again to Central Park Neighborhood Church for our Wednesday night class and instruction on the Holy Spirit. We have been considering our relationship with Him, growing in our relationship with the Holy Spirit, and we've looked at some of His benefits, His actions, and what He does for us because we have invited Him into our lives. And uh, last week we looked a little bit about the symbols of the Holy Spirit, and and, uh, I want to continue this week with more symbols of the Holy Spirit. And uh, uh, I trust that you will learn and gather information and knowledge about the Spirit of God through these symbols uh, that will uh, give you something to work with, something that will help you in life, and something that will help you to understand Him as He moves, as He works in your life, and as He, amen, uh, develops you even in his your relationship with Him. Uh, this last Sunday was Pentecost Sunday, and of course uh, it's all about the Holy Spirit. It's all about the day when uh, the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the church, and the church has been invigorated by the Spirit of God ever since that particular day. But there are two symbols that were used on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, that uh, I want to consider. I don't know if we'll get through the second one, but we'll get through the first one, and next week we'll carry on and get through both of these different symbols. In Scripture, there's nine different symbols that represent the Holy Spirit. All of these symbols present a different side of truth concerning the third person of the Trinity. So each symbol that we study and we look at and find uh, the truth and dig it out in the Scripture it's going to give us truth and give us understanding of the Holy Spirit. A symbol is something that represents something else by association, resemblance, or convention, especially a material object used to represent something invisible. I know that if you go into the Bible bookstore and you may see a poster on the wall and you see the outline of a dove, When you see that, you automatically uh, associate that symbol with the Holy Spirit. And uh, when you see fire, for example, tongues of fire, you see that on a poster or see it somewhere, you, you recognize that as being in the Scriptures and that it identifies with the Holy Spirit. And so... A symbol, then, is something that represents something else by association, resemblance, or convention, especially a material object used to represent something invisible. It's like in Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. We'll just take uh, one more of these symbols, the dove. We won't go into it, but here it it gives us a scripture, and it ties the symbol with what the symbol is associated with. Matthew 3.16 says, And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And John the Baptist says, And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. John saw the Spirit of God like a dove. And so this scripture has both the symbol and what is entitled to the symbol what it is, in one scripture, Matthew 3.16, he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, dove and Holy Spirit. And so we have many symbols like that in the scripture that we can, we can gather from. 
But uh, let's uh, look and let's tie into Pentecost Sunday and uh, we'll look at the Old Testament prophesying about a day when the Spirit of God will be poured out upon all flesh. Let's take a look at when it was fulfilled and let's look at a couple of symbols that are tied in right in with that very day of the Pentecost itself. In Joel chapter 2 verses 28 and 29 it says, It shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions, and also upon my servants and my handmaidens. Uh, in those days I will pour out of my spirit. That was the prophet Joel declaring by the Spirit of God that there's coming a day, coming a time, when everyone would have access to the Spirit of God. Before this, there's really only about four different categories in the Old Testament of people of which all were leaders or led the people of God in some form or another that actually uh, experienced the Holy Spirit at all. Kings. Um, you find that David was anointed by Saul, or not by Saul. David was anointed by Samuel, and Samuel was the prophet that anointed uh, not only David, but Saul too. And you'll find that um, Samuel takes a horn of oil, pours it on David, and the Spirit of God, the Scripture declares, came upon David from that day forward. They were anointed. The priesthood under Moses, they were anointed. Judges were anointed. Prophets were anointed. But all of these people were leaders that led and had responsibility in leading the people of God in some form or another. They had access to the Spirit of God. The average person knew nothing of the Spirit of God coming upon them. But in this day and hour that we live, we have a prophetic word that was given by Joel, and then we have the fulfillment of that, which we'll read here in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And what that fulfillment of that promise that was given, it allows all of us, each one of us, to experience the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 2, verses 1 through 4, we find that the early church then was gathered together in the upper room. They were praying. They were waiting for the promise that Jesus told them to wait upon. He told them, wait in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And so then we find uh, on the 50th day after the resurrection, we find that the day of Pentecost, 50 had come to pass. And this is what it says in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. It says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues of like as of fire. It set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now we know that you know, this was noised about. People came. They they heard people speaking their languages. There was confusion. They thought they were drunk. And uh, uh, Peter addresses the crowd in verse 14 of chapter 2 of Acts. He says, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said, Listen, these men of Judea and all you that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you. He says, Hearken to my words. Listen to my words. For these are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. And then what does he do? He reaches back into the prophet Joel and he begins to quote uh, Joel chapter 2 verses 28. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel in the 
last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And so he quotes that. And so we find the direct fulfillment of the prophecy in Joel given on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And on this day of Pentecost, in the first four verses, you're going to find two symbols right there on the day that the Spirit of God was poured out. And let's look at this for again. Let's read uh, uh, verses 1 through 4 of chapter 2 and look at these two particular symbols. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And verse 2, here we find a symbol that's given. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, like what? A rushing mighty wind. What did it do? It filled all the house where they were sitting. Number 1 that we see in this is the symbol of wind connected with being filled with the Spirit and we see it connected with uh, the Holy Spirit. Okay, Verse 3, And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire and it set upon each of them. So we see wind involved in the day of Pentecost. The second thing that we see involved is that there are tongues like as of fire. So we see the second symbol on the day of Pentecost is fire, fire, okay? And verse 4, And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So the first symbol that we're going to look at uh, this evening is the fact that there was a rushing mighty wind, and this rushing mighty wind represents the breath of God. So when you look at the word wind itself, and you define the word wind, it's respiration, it's a breeze, it's breath. It means wind. It comes from another word which means to breathe hard. It denotes a forcible respiration. In other words, it's like when uh, God came to that upper room, and the Spirit of God the breath of God was blowing in that room. It was like a mighty wind that blew in that room, and they were all filled. The wind blew mightily. And in this day that we live in, with all of its turbulent times, we need a fresh, turbulent wind, a good wind, God's breath to blow upon the church, to blow upon his people. Amen. To give us a fresh, I will say it this way, a fresh infilling a fresh boldness that comes from the infilling, a fresh excitement and fervor and a fresh moving in the purposes of God in our personal ministries, being re, re-fired by the Spirit of God. Father, my prayer even right now is let the wind blow. Father, let the wind blow even in our service tonight as we're looking at the Word of God. Let the wind of God blow on us afresh and touch us afresh. In John chapter 20, verses 19 through 22, this is what Jesus says, once again, tying breath and the Holy Spirit together. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them, Peace be unto you. And then he says, and when he said so, he showed them his hands and his side. He was proving to them who he was. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. They knew that he'd been pierced. They knew that he'd been nailed. Uh, They recognized, yes, this is Jesus. Then what did Jesus do? He says something very tremendous to them. He says, peace be unto you. And those same words today are, peace be unto us. 
Peace be unto you. In the turbulent times, peace be unto you. As my Father has sent me, even so I send you. In verse 22, and when he said this, he does something very interesting. He breathed on them. He breathed on them. He went, it was like a puff of wind. And what did he say? Receive the Holy Spirit. So he breathed upon him. Jesus, God in the flesh, breathed upon him. Can I say the breath of God was extended that day to the disciples. And likewise, on the day of Pentecost, it was the breath of God that blew. And uh, it was the breath of God that came and they were all filled with him. And they became temples of the living God on that day. So the wind of God, Jesus breathed upon him. His breath. His breath is life. His breath is invigorating. Hallelujah. So when we look at the breath of God, let's take a look at some other things that are, that are tied to and are part of this breath, this living breath of God that comes. The creativity of God is associated with his breath. On the day of Pentecost, there were several languages that were represented. The breath of God touched the language of humanity, and creative actions happened in their ability to speak. It was a supernatural happening that touched the language of mankind. And even when we are filled with the Spirit of God, God, each, each one of us, amen, a supernatural language to communicate with Him. It's a supernatural language that does almost 22 different things for us. Uh, for example, in Jude verse 20 says, it, Beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. So one of the benefits of being filled with the Holy Spirit and the supernatural wind that blew in your life, being filled with the Spirit of God, is that He gives you a language that He can you can communicate with Him and that He can understand you and you pray the will of God and your personal life can be built up by praying in the Spirit of God. Praying in the Spirit of God. Why? Because the breath of God is blown in you. Hallelujah. And so that was a creative happening that happened on that day. The Spirit of God is, uh, the breath of God is, a cre is the creativity of God. Uh, I'll read uh, Psalms 33, verse 6. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them uh, by the breath of his mouth. The host of him. The host. The host of the heavenly. His host were made because he spoke the word. It was his breath. And his breath, amen, brought creativity and brought life and brought creatures and created beings into life. Job 26, verse 13. By his spirit he has garnished the heavens. His hand hath formed the crooked serpent. The creation of the planet called earth was by his breath. Genesis 1-2 says, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Psalms 18-15 says, Then the channels of waters were seen, and the foundations of the world were discovered at thy rebuke, O Lord, at the bla blast of the breath of thy nostrils. The very breath of God was, cre was in creation in making of this earth itself. 
Second Samuel 22, verse 16, And the channels of the sea appeared. The foundations of the world were discovered at the rebuking of the Lord, at the blast of the breath of his nostrils. Almost saying the same thing as Psalms. Once again, the creativity of God's breath. Nature, actually, is controlled by the breath of God. Job 37, verse 10. By the breath of God, he says, frost is given. Hmm. In other words, when you go out on a cold morning and the frost is there, it would seem to me that the breath of God has been at work. The breath of God, frost is given, and the breath of waters is straightened, he says. Exodus chapter 15, verse 8, when there was the the winds that blew that separated the waters so that the people could go over on dry land, this is what it, this is what Moses says in his song. He says, And with the blast of thy nostrils the waters were gathered together. The flood stood upright as an heap, and the depths were congealed in the heart of the sea. The breath of God was involved. And when you read the scriptures, you'll find the winds blew all night, and the waters were backed up, and there was dryness of land that appeared so that they could walk over on. Well, Moses, when he writes the song, he literally says it was the blast of God's nostrils in the wind that came for the people, amen, to cross over and to get to the other side in safety. The breath of God was there in that whole thing. There are many other things that, if you read the scripture, the travels of of Egypt, when the people of God were coming from Egypt and coming out of Egypt, and and the, some of the things that involved the plagues that were there, winds brought locusts. Winds took locusts away. Um, you find sometimes when people got hungry and they desired meat, wind brought quails. And and so the wind was involved in many natural things. And when you read the scripture, it looks like a natural wind. Yes, it is. But it's still the breath of God that's blowing and bringing about provision. And uh, it is a, his breath that is over nature itself, over creation itself. Uh, it's the, it is his breath. Uh, judgment is issued at the breath of his mouth. But with righteousness shall he judge and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. And he says, he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. So judgment is involved, uh, amen, with the breath of God. Job declared that the Spirit of God made him, and by his breath life was given to him. In Job 33, verse 4, the Spirit of God hath made me, and the breath of the Almighty hath given me life. The creativity of God. The creativity of God. We'll read a couple more points here, and we'll talk a little bit more about the creativity of God. Adam, in the very beginning, when he was in the garden, God would come to him in the cool of the day, and there was fellowship between Adam, the man whom God had created, and you'll find the interesting thing in the King James Version, it says, in the cool of the day, that's when he came. Well, that word cool is an interesting word. That word cool actually means breath. In Genesis 3.8, And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden. When? In the cool of the day. In the wind of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord and so on. But in the cool of the day, 
In other words, uh, when uh, there was a time when God and his man would connect, it was a time when uh, the, the breath of God would come, the life-giving God would come and speak to the man. And it is so in our day, in our age, for each one of us, God wants to come and blow upon us and fellowship with us and speak with us and, and fill us with life afresh, fill us with purpose afresh uh, and have a, a communion time with us. Can I say that? A communion time with us. So expect God to come. Expect his breath to blow. Hallelujah. Expect his spirit to come to you. Amen. And quicken you, enliven you. Amen. And rejuvenate you and give you peace. Amen. And give you joy and cause you to live this Christian life in a spirit of joy. Hallelujah. There's lots of turmoil going on today. And uh, God wants us, we live in the world, but we're not of the world. We live in a different kingdom. And because we live in a different kingdom, we need to experience the benefits of that kingdom. And part of that is the breath of God that comes to us. Amen. And we can be a partaker of the breath of God. And I want to also share with you, the breath of God is involved with the intelligence of man. It's an interesting thought here. Job 32, verse 8. But there is a spirit in man, and the inspiration of the Almighty giveth them understanding. Listen to the Amplified Bible. But there is a vital force, a spirit of intelligence in man, and the breath of the Almighty gives men understanding. Gives men understanding. Uh, when you look at, um, in the Old Testament, about the building of the tabernacle, the Spirit of God came upon a couple of men. Bezalel was one of them. He was appointed to make items in the tabernacle. And when you read that in the book of Exodus, of what they made and the different articles of furniture that they made, it it required the wisdom of God. Amen. Can I say it? The breath of God blown upon this man to give him what he needed to make all of these gold utensils and pieces of furniture according to the pattern that Moses was given. And you find that the, the word of God says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, See, I have called thee by name, Bezalel, the son of Uriah, the son of Hur. Okay? I have filled him with the Spirit of God. In what? Wisdom, understanding, knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship. The Spirit of God gave him all those kinds of things. Uh, I'm going to give you a couple of up-to-date uh, example of the not only the creativity of God, but the breath of God involved in man's intelligence. I worked with a man once in a machine shop. And uh, this man, um, as I got to know him, uh, he, he got all jobs that were handed out. He got jobs that uh, were incredibly difficult. Incredibly difficult. Nobody else wanted them. But he took them. Uh, I remember one day I, I stopped him and talked to him. And I said, you know, uh, what are you building today? And he explained the piece of metal he had and what he was doing with it. And he says, well, I'm only building 10 pieces of this for the whole month. I says, how much do you get? How much do you make for each one of these pieces uh, that you're making here for Boeing? He says, I get $10,000 a part. And he says, I'm going to make a couple extra parts. So he says, this month I'll make $120,000 and this month alone and uh, you got to understand this was back several years ago so it was worth a lot of money 
And he constantly got things like that. And then he told me, he says, as a kid, when I was 16, he says, I was a pastor's son. I got filled with the Holy Spirit. And when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, God gave me the ability to work with metals. I haven't been to school. I haven't done anything. Anyone has trained me in this. It's a supernatural thing that God has given me. So what happened? The breath of God blew on him when he was filled with the Holy Spirit touched his intelligence, uh, and the creative God left a deposit in him, amen, that literally affected his whole life uh, in everything that he was doing financially because he had an ability that God had given. I'll give you one more example. Another example was I met a young woman in Uganda in a conference, and this young woman stood up and testified, and she said, God had given her the ability to work with women's hair. And she said, God gave me creative styles and creative things to do with the African women's hair. And uh, so she started in and started doing these creative hairdos for the women. And uh, what was interesting, she said, I would ask the women uh, before each one that I would start, I says, what is your financial ability? Some had nothing, some had some, and some had lot. And she would charge accordingly. Those who had nothing, she charged next to nothing to give them a very, very expanded, amen, heart because of the great hairdo that she gave them. Amen. And she continued on with that and even opened the school to train others on how to work with hair. And she added to the school, amen, weddings and dress and all kinds of things that go with the wedding. And so what started out as a creative idea expanded not only for herself, but expanded to many others and blessed many others' life. Why is that? It's because of the creativity and that creativity touches the intelligence of man. The breath of God blow, and it blew in their lives and changed their lives, and in changing their lives, it changed many others. So I want to encourage you, experience the breath of God. Experience the breath of God. Amen. And expect Him to do great things in your heart and life. Amen. Father, today, we thank you for the breath of God. Amen. That was experienced on the day of Pentecost. And we want to experience that same thing in our day. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.